Hi there, uh, my name is Jordan Gagan. And I'm Allison. And uh, welcome to our podcast, the new Under Construction series. This podcast is tied to our sociology class called Race and Ethnic Relations at Ursinus College in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. In this class, we explore how the color of our skin and how our labels we use to group people by skin color were historically developed and how they impact our lives today. In this podcast, we will be exploring the idea of unlearning race, where we, the students, talk to you about what we have learned while we are learning it and add our own understanding and perspective as college students. We want to invite you into what informal conversations about race and ethnicity look like for college students and encourage you to join us on the journey of unlearning what we think race and ethnicity is and what it means in our lives. If you would like to join the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at ConstructPod and let us know what you think. You can also use our hashtag UnderConstruction and UnlearningRace. We would also like to note that our thoughts and ideas expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Ursinus College. In this episode, we will be unlearning what ethnicity is and discussing how ethnicity impacts our lives as well as our experiences as college students. We will be talking about what ethnicity is, hearing from students on their thoughts about ethnicity and how it impacts their lives, and connecting it to what we have learned on the topic through our class readings and discussions. And as a disclaimer, to invite you into our world, this episode uh, we are recording in Lower Wismer on campus, which acts as a dining hall and hub for student life. And we wanted you to hear the authentic sounds of our lives and spaces we inhibit. So if you hear conversation and noise in the background, that's why. And also during our open table session, there was some static on the speakers down here. So the recordings from that session might be particularly uh, have background noise. What is your ethnicity? I mean, I would say my ethnicity is just American. Um, I guess part of me thinks that because of my ethnicity, there's an assumption from people of other ethnicities that I don't necessarily want anything to do with them. Um, and I know that's not a stigma that everyone would hold, but I could definitely see some people thinking that. I wish that didn't exist. I think, and it's not even the other person. Um, there are definitely times where I'll see a group of people of all of a different ethnicity than my own, and I'll think, wow, like, I wish I had the courage to just walk up and say, hey, like, mind if I sit here with you? But I know that I've already got an idea in my head that by all sitting together in the first place, I don't know, it creates this dichotomy of if you're, not, if, if, you, if you're not the same ethnicity as us, you don't necessarily belong with us. Yeah. <laughs> the sounds of love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I think I would... I think before this class... I would have a hard time even defining what my ethnicity is just because I feel like I'm one of those Europeans that was kind of talked about in the reading where I have a very removed feeling from my like where my family came from like originally you know um, it's my family has been in America for 
quite some generations at this point so it's like oh it's a little bit of this it's a little bit of that so it's like there's not really one that I feel like some anything that I felt like really identified as that and then you know um, Dr. Harris was talking about like a good way you can try and figure out your ethnicity you know she was talking about like your culture like your food you eat and all those kinds of things and I think now that I would say that my ethnicity is American just because I feel like all my interests and tastes in those things are so diverse, mm. you know, like it's not just one thing. It feels like a lot of it's like distinctly American things, right. you know, like, you know, I like rap music, but like that was in birth in America or yeah. like I like cheeseburgers or like <laughs> whatever it is or like I like all different kinds of food that I've been exposed to because I'm in a place that has people from all different backgrounds you right know? so I think now like American is how I would define my ethnicity yeah just based on the multitude of different influences it has but and how my ethnicity has affected my college experience I would say that it hasn't really at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, in in the fact that, like, I feel like I'm white and I'm just can, like, kind of, like, as this reading talks about, like, because I don't really, like, my ethnicity is optional and I don't really have, I haven't really taken on an ethnicity, so it's, like, optional for me and I can kind of just live my life without having to prescribe to anything, really, or think about prescribing to anything. Right. And I know <clears throat> chapter 13 in the book talks about, you know, who are you? Like, how do you define yourself? And I, I don't even think I would include my race as white in my own definition, let alone American. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I would wonder if someone coming from, like, a different race would do that as well. You right. know, I think the reading kind of talked a little bit about that um, minority, the minority students were more likely to identify as like Asian or black and put that in their descriptions of who I am I mm. who they are versus the white the white students which didn't really think it was a big part of their identity because it's not something that affects their day-to-day -day life <laughs> right it's just seen as like oh I'm just the normal mm. you know um, so I think that's interesting too like you can see that that question of like who am I I think is very interesting because you can kind of see not only, as the reading says, like not only how a person sees themselves, but also how they think other people see them. Mm. I know, like, like I had said, I'm like half Irish, and maybe, oh gosh, I'm like fractions, 30, 30% German, and then like 20% French. Um, and I don't know, I could probably identify with any of those three and probably get away with it. Um, I'd say they're all pretty white. When people ask you, do you say any of those three? Do you say all of them? Do you say one of the three? Or I mean, if I'm going to say one of them, it's going to be the Irish. I think based off of the way I look and the fact that I love potatoes. But other <laughs> than that, I can't really think of anything culturally where I'm identifying with the, I the people that live in Ireland. Um, I mean, my last name... I would say, I guess that's one good example is how, like, my last name has Irish roots. Um, like, it was changed when we moved from Ireland to, and came through Ellis Island. So, but I think most of the time, no, I, like, I wouldn't, definitely would not call myself, like, Irish American. Uh, it's interesting, because 
I feel like for a lot of people, you wouldn't call yourself Irish American unless you were born in Ireland or even like maybe your parents were. But yet when it comes to things like, say, Hispanic American, it, it feels like there, there's more of a, like a general, generational acceptance where it could be your grandparents who were born in somewhere in Central America and you're still identifying as such. Um, which I think comes down to more physical markers that people can actually see with their eyes. Not surprisingly, no one wants to talk about ethnicity. <laughs> Even when bribed with cookies. I know. And candy. And candy. Yes, I would like, identify as Salvadorian. Uh, my parents are from El Salvador. Uh, Did they um, move from there? Both, both of them? Yeah, they, uh, they actually like got this um, thing called like TPS. It's like a, it's like a temporary protective something. So basically, there was like a hurricane. Like, I think my dad came here because there was like a like civil war in El Salvador. So that's why he came here. And then my mom came because there was like a hurricane. So like. Uh, Hurricane Mitch or something mm -hmm. like that. So then she she was able to like to cross like she, when she crossed like she got like temporary like protective status. Um, but yeah, but uh, recently the Trump administration is gonna remove it because like it's been like they've been what's it called naturalized. No, like they like every year they've been like renewing the like the mm. program, but it was just supposed to be temporary and then. He's like, well, like this has become permanent, so like we had to eliminate it. But like it's weird because like it's not free, obviously. So like whenever they would renew it, like my parents had to renew it too. So like it's like eight hundred dollars. So it's like eight hundred dollars each time, and it's to both of them. So it's just like eight hundred wow. plus eight hundred, and every year. Like, so it's like uh, investment basically. Um, but obviously, if they don't have that, then they're not able to work or something like that. Has your uh, ethnicity affected your college experience at all? Like, um, I feel like yes. Um, like just the way that, like the way who I surround myself with, and just like how, like, like I obviously like I compare myself to like different people and just like have different experiences and like how. Um, even within like my Hispanic group, like there's different groups like like uh, for example like Dominican and like Puerto Rican like since well obviously Puerto Ricans like they have that like um, national like they're citizens they're yeah exactly they're citizens so then that like that like kind of separates like my issues like because like my like my Puerto Rican friends don't have like that problem or like also my Dominican friends because like they is like you can't cross illegally because you have to like come because they're like an island so, yeah like, you can't really cross and then you have to like have that like, like legalization before you come to the so then that kind of eliminates like because like whenever i talk about like my immigrant like it's like obviously like worry because they're there's they're no, no longer going to be citizens like uh january t uh, 2020 mm -hmm. so then for me it's like i'm worried um because like then I'm gonna my dad's obviously gonna have the same job that he has now and just like his bank account like he, he's not gonna be able to have that anymore. Yeah. so it's just like 
everything's gonna change. So like, I'm thinking about that now, rather as like my friends, like they're not really thinking about that. So like, even within the bigger like group, like I, even with my smaller group, like I feel like an outcast. Yeah. Because, because of that. Yeah. they don't have that shared experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you want to talk about mine a little? Yeah, it's, if you if you feel comfortable. Yeah, I'm actually it's not a big um, secret. <laughs> um, me it was family history, and I'm from a background. My family is part Spanish, and we were in the French North Africa. So you know, like France had colonies and stuff like this, and departments. And my family is was in Algeria and Morocco. Um, that's why also in my family, they like most of my grandparents used to be able to talk Spanish, Arabic, and French. Um, it's kind of a hard. It was kind of a hard situation because since we were Spanish origins, we didn't have the French nationality for a long time. Um, and afterwards, it was kind of a uh, also another hard situation because we're. Um, what we are is badly seen in France. So during our during the campaign of our president said that the people that I share my blood with and history with are the equivalent of, uh, equivalent of Nazis and that we're war criminals because of that. Where when I know my grandfather or family history, it could be. The most contrary thing, knowing that one of my grand uncles died in the civil war in Spain against Franco, and the other one got deported by the Nazis to like doing resistance and stuff like this, and the other one survived and like worked so much for France and like gave their blood for France. So it's kind of this in between situation. I've had actually my physics chemistry teacher in high school tell me tell the whole class that we should have killed all the Pinoir, that's what we're called, uh, that we should have killed them all instead of letting them come back from two friends. So when you when you have literally your physics chemistry teacher look at all your class and be like, hey yeah we should have killed your family and I'm like Yeah. I feel great. I know that some of them were bad and I fully understand that and it's just that I don't want to uh, put everyone in the same uh, bag mm. as like everything and everyone. Um, so yeah, it hasn't influenced really my college experience because no one knows about that kind of yeah, stuff here. Yeah, I was about to say like, is it different for you because like, if that's, is that a big part of your identity at home versus oh, yeah. when you're here? It's still a really big, it's a big part because it's like, it's not a ethnicity in some kind of way, but we have like a slang, we have languages, we have food that we're losing because a lot of old people are dying and not like giving the knowledge and stuff like this. So there is this part that is really like culturally significant, but here no one knows really about it. Um, I'm not like, I don't. I'm not scared of talking about it, even though there's like a lot of the time in France there's a lot of stigma to, tell, to talk about it actually. Um, but yeah, here people are more like, oh wow, what is that? Right. So, yeah. People here probably are just like, oh, you're French, right? Yeah. People here is people in French. When I'm at home, 
it's a it's a lot different also has your ethnicity affected your college experience at all, Michaela? I definitely think so. I mean, overall, like, my freshman year was kind of weird because there wasn't really much representation of, like, minorities on campus, and it kind of has grown over time. And, like, I have a professor, I was talking to her, and we were talking about stereotypes, which is the funniest thing, like, during CIE or whatever. And um, she was like, oh, like, what's the stereotype you hear about? I'm like, oh, like, that black people don't like snow or, like, skiing. And she's like, oh, yeah, it is expensive. And I was like... Oh wow! It has nothing to do oh, with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just overall, I guess like it's kind of nice because on campus, like the since there are so like little minorities on campus, like even though I don't know them my first name, like it's always saying hi, it's always very friendly. But also, it kind of like, like it bonds you in some way. Yeah, but also like even in parties or just like in little um, aspects of the college, like it's kind of like a little community, and then it's kind of like understanding like values more not that like race determines someone's values but obviously certain like people are from, from different socioeconomic backgrounds and that mm-hmm. kind of has a play on like what they value or what they see as normal mm-hmm. and like, you know there's obviously stereotypes like that but I think overall like it's helped in a positive way in my opinion because I just reach out to more people but because there's only a certain number of people in campus that are minorities it's kind of harder but it's still nice to know more yeah. Like you feel bonded with those yeah. people because yeah. of that like shared identity. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna say about it. Alright, so our first interview was with Jenny, so I wanted to know really what you found most interesting about what she had to say. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how she brought up how even within, you know, her overall arching Hispanic ethnic group that she felt that her experiences are not relatable to her friends, you know, she was saying how all of her other friends really don't have to deal as much with this immigration problem that her family is dealing with, and it makes her feel very secluded from even a group that she would say ethnically shares more culture than, you know, compared to um, other white students. And so I thought that was really interesting how, um, you know, even within an ethnic group, you know, there's even smaller factions of that. And I also thought it was interesting how, you know, I feel like uh, so far in this podcast, we've been really talking about ethnicity as like just culture, you know, um, whether it's food, music, like family origins, that kind of stuff. But, you know, Jenny was bringing up how her her ethnicity has a real life impact on her life. You know, her family could be deported. They can't hold the same jobs they have. You know, she doesn't know what's going to happen with her family. And so I think it's important that to realize that ethnicity isn't just like a label. Yeah. Or like the fluffy things. It's, you know, the, the nice gooey things, but it's also can have detrimental impacts on your life. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I know you were really interested with um, what Zoe had to say. So what, what, what did you like about her interview? What did you think about that? I think what I found most interesting was the fact that she is a French exchange student going to school in America. And so you would expect, okay, she probably feels more like an ethnic minority here in America than she does at home. Um, but that's not actually the case, where people who see her here think, oh, this is a white person, and then people who hear her probably go, oh, okay, she's French, but when she's home, there seems to be a lot more of a dichotomy of us versus them in terms of the way that she's treated, and just hearing her experiences growing up, especially what her, like her, her, her teacher in high school had said <laughs> yeah, about her. Yeah, that was crazy. That was just very jarring. Like, I cannot imagine any public school teacher in the U.S. in the 90s or 2000s saying something like that to an American student. Um, So I found it just incredible. And we talk about 
ethnic and racial relations as having such a huge impact on American culture. And I think sometimes we forget how just as important, we forget how important that it also is across the, the world. Yeah, like location really changes how you your ethnic identity is important or where how it's valued or seen. Right. I think she really showed that. Um, and then for Michaela's interview, I thought it was really interesting um, how she was talking about the fact that she could see another student of color that she didn't even know and that, you know, there was still this sense of understanding between them and, you know, always saying hi and um, acknowledging each other's presence. I thought that was really interesting. Right. And I think, you know, being, you know, identifying as white and American, I think that when I see other white people, I think, you know, that there is a similar phenomenon that goes on where I can say hi and it's not this, why are you talking to me? Who are you? Like, leave me alone kind of notion that might occur if I were to go up to someone of a different ethnicity that I didn't know and just say, hey, how you doing? Um, I think most people would, they would regard that as, what do you want? Like, what are you trying to get out of me? Like, you must have an ulterior motive other than just asking how I am. Yeah, I mean, I think also she was hitting at the fact that it's deeper than that, too, because of the oppression that uh, she she faces being a student of color on a predominantly white campus, you know, that the fact that just seeing someone else who looks like you in that setting, you know, of being that othered, you know, of being mm. that minority um, can bring you, bring you together and helps bond you and like almost show you like we are different than acknowledging the fact that we are different from this majority right. and that we have some kind of shared common, you know, background in that kind of way of dealing with that identity. For sure. When I was in Upper this morning eating breakfast after our class, I no noticed a table where everyone had an ethnic background from somewhere in Asia, um, yet they weren't all from the same country or even the same two countries. Um, and I found that very interesting because I know we had talked earlier about different races or ethnicities kind of not isolating themselves but definitely finding common ground together yeah I mean I think that I think ethnicity is a great way to explain that I mean I think I've always more have thought of it as just like only really in the context of race and so okay these people look alike so they have similar experiences um, with that you know and you know the problems they have faced or like the discrimination they have faced because of looking like that but I think to me when I was starting to understand more about the ethnicity aspect of it as almost like a positive thing for some people you know that oh it's not something we're not banding together because we are facing oppression together but we're banding together because we share food we share culture we share music we share lived experiences and it's like a positive thing versus a lot of the times when people band together race, I think it's usually seen as more of a like of a negative reason behind it. So I think that it's like find it was like I clicked in my head at least of like oh it's about being able to feel celebratory about that and um, be proud of it. You know, I think you can get that more. I don't know. <laughs> right. I know I'll often see groups of international students in uh, Upper Wismer sitting together and their races and ethnicities in countries of origin are completely different, but they find that common, I guess the common denominator would be, you know, being, being a, a foreigner. Yeah, being a foreigner. Um, 
really... I mean, I think it's a good thing, um, especially for people that, say, are shy and not as outgoing and don't necessarily want to just walk up to groups of people they don't know, or especially if it's a an international student that doesn't necessarily have the best grasp on English, yeah. um, where another international student would probably be a little more understanding over that. Mm -hmm. Interesting when it talked about how, like, people like who identify as like American Mexican or things like that um, will have like dual dual identities so like right. they'll might be more individualistic because that's their like the Eurocentric American idea but also because of their like Mexican ancestry like have family still be important to them so mm. I thought that was cool yeah I know I was having a conversation with someone last night about ethnicity, about their specific ethnicity, and um, they identify as um, like Hispanic American or like Latino, Latina American. Um, and I had asked them because I know that they're like half Cuban and half Italian. Um, and in terms of food, the only conversations we ever had have happened to be about Italian food um, and how like their her dad is constantly making Italian food at home yet it's her father that is the Cuban side of her family uh, so I found it really interesting that even though her parents are divorced it seems like that had a huge effect on him from his ex-wife and still does today like that kind of like taking on the identity of a family even if it's not your like ancestry right yeah that's it is very interesting in terms of, I think that most say minorities would include their race and ethnicity in, the def in a definition of themselves, but I guess my biggest question is, are they giving the answer that they truly believe or the answer that they think that the person asking wants mm, to hear? That's true. Because um, in my reading research article that I did, it when it talked about... Um, ancestry DNA tests and if people took on new identities they found out from those tests one of the things that affected if a person took on that identity was if they felt that other people would believe it mm. like so one example one example in the reading was there was a, um, a Mexican American man who found out he had Jewish Jewish ancestry as well as Celt uh, Celtic Celtic ancestry. I think so. It's hard because I got like the Boston Celtics. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, wait, I think it's Celtic. But <laughs> but um, and he talked about how he was way. It was way easier for him to take on the identity of um, being having Jewish ancestry because of his looks. Mm. Whereas he because he said he was like you know shorter, darker hair, darker skin. So he felt that if he said like, oh, I am like Celtic or however you're supposed to say it, right. um, people wouldn't believe him. So he wasn't, mm. didn't feel as, uh, didn't want to take on that identity because he didn't think other people would believe that he had that identity, where he was more likely to be like, yeah, I'm part Jewish because he thought people would be like, oh yeah, I can see that. Right. Physically see it. Do you think that there's, do you think part of your ethnic heritage like there's a specific part where if you were to say okay this is what I decide to identify with people would be like no I'd say if I said anything that wasn't like really white right yeah <laughs> like I, I mean because I'm so stereotypically white like blue, blue eyes blonde hair mm. like lighter skin so I feel that if I was like oh 
I have African ancestry right. in my DNA. Or even like, oh, I have Native Native American ancestry in my DNA, you know, like, shout out to Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, yeah. you know. Um, I don't think people would believe me. They'd be like, no, mm. <laughs> you know. Even if it was true, which it's not, but if it was, I don't think people would see that. Right. And I, it's funny that you mentioned Elizabeth Warren, because I think she's a great case of someone who, growing up, or be, as a young woman, didn't truly understand the social construction behind ethnicity. She yeah. saw it as a biological gateway exactly. that she could take advantage of. And it's like, oh, just because, yeah, the idea that, like, goes back to the idea that both race and ethnicity are biological things, right? Mm. So just because I took a DNA test and it says that I'm 164th Native American, that must mean that I can take on and ascribe to Native to having that identity or sharing that culture when in reality ethnicity wise I would say that's not necessarily true because I, I think ethnicity has more to do it's more of a social construct right it's like of how you I don't know go throughout the world right compared to what your quote-unquote ancestry is mm. um, and so I think that's where she slipped up is in the recognizing that having ancestry in that might not necessarily be enough to say, hey, I am of this ethnicity, you right. know? So this pretty much wraps up our episode today of Under Construction. Um, we're kind of going to be doing this throughout the podcast of thinking what questions we still have after doing all of this. So Jordan, what questions do you still have after recording this episode? Um, I would say that the questions that I would pose to our listeners are, how do you personally identify in terms of your ethnicity and what are the things whether it's your culture culture you know the music you listen to your family background that help make up that ethnicity um what about you um i think some questions i would have for our listeners is thinking about um, how their ethnicity has impacted their college experience um, and if that's different than how it has been at home for them as well as you know what's it like to have multiple ethnicities and how do you choose what of your multiple ethnicities to prescribe to and does other people's opinions of if you look like you belong to that ethnicity like if that impacts how you identify this is some really good questions so um, to reiterate what we had said before, if you're interested in joining our conversation, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ConstructPod, and uh, maybe you could answer some of our questions. You can also use the hashtag, hashtag UnderConstruction and hashtag UnlearningRace. Um, also, you can listen to our podcast pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So we're on Spotify, we are on um, Apple Podcasts, we are on the Anchor website, to name a few. Um, so please listen, share, uh, and join our conversation.